Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Have you ever heard the name Odysseus? Probably a long time ago in your history classes, I suspect. He was the king of Ithaca and the Greek leader in the Trojan War. He features in Homer's epic poem, Odyssey, and was the hero in the Iliad. He is most famous, perhaps, for being the king who devised the Trojan horse, which allowed the Greeks to conquer the city of Troy, a city that was located in what is now Turkey. Even today, his strategy, sometimes what is called his cunning and his guile, are studied at military colleges all over the world. You will recall, of course, the strategy used in this famous ancient battle was a huge model of a horse. It was hollow, which allowed special commandos of the Greek army to hide inside of it. It was left outside of the city known as Troy, the target of the battle and the prize to be won. Odysseus correctly assumed that the people of Troy would be consumed by curiosity, would take the horse inside their walled and fortified city to investigate it, if left alone to their devices. The war actually had raged for ten years. Odysseus finally put his famous strategy into place. The Greeks had built a wooden horse, then they left it in view of the Trojans and pretended to have finally given up the battle and they sailed away in full view of the Trojans. When the Trojans thought it was safe, they opened the city gates and rolled this horse into the city as a momentous and trophy of the battle that they thought they had now won. But under cover of night, the Greeks returned and crept up to the city gates. Inside the horse were all of these commandos, and in the bloak of darkness, they sneaked out of the horse and went and opened the city gates for the rest of the Greek army, their comrades who were waiting outside in the dark to enter the city. It was a decisive victory. Metaphorically, the Trojan horses come to mean any trick or strategy that causes a target to invite a foe into a secure or previously safe haven. Even though the battle took place in the 11th or 12th century, we all know the term and sometimes we use it ourselves in the appropriate places. Shining 
The Bible has a few things to say about this kind of strategy. Perhaps one of the most well-known is when discussing a strategy that the devil sometimes uses. We are informed that the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This is like the Greeks in the typical warfare approach, aggressive, obvious, fearful, and out for victory by destroying the opposition. This does not take a genius to recognize. We recognize the devil for what he is, what he stands for. We run the other way. We're not fooled by that approach. On the other hand, however, the Bible also says that the devil sometimes goes about his business like an angel of light, attractive, appealing, enticing, inoffensive, and apparently harmless. His real character and motivation concealed from view and hidden away. His disguise perfect and effective. We fall into his trap if we're not extremely careful. And fooled into lowering our defense, we let our guard down and expose ourselves to his deception and are often damaged by his trickery. Like the Trojan horse, we are unaware of the strategy. We do not know that hidden in the horse are powerful enemies who seek our destruction. When we think we are on top of things and out of danger, the trap door opens and we fall victim to the enemy's secret plot. Then we need to remember that we have the armor of God on our side. We call for the captain of our salvation to rescue us, and we are wise to the tricks of the enemy of our souls, never falling for them again. Uh
and now with his message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Good morning. Today I begin a short series of messages I have entitled, The Christmas Story, Sushi Style, because I'm going to serve you Christmas raw for the next few Lord days before Christmas. It's going to be without all the tinsel and shining wrappings that we have come to use to wrap this amazing event with when it is told. I'm sure some, perhaps even most of you, respond the same way I do when I think about sushi. Yuck. But as my sushi friends all tell me, sushi is good for you. We'll see if that holds true with the Christmas story. Let's begin then as I give you the first course or appetizer. Here's a present-day reality reading of the first Christmas from the Sushi Gospel or the Sushi Christmas Story. And they were in the same city, a family abiding in the living room, keeping watch over their stockings by night. And lo, Santa Claus came upon them, and the glory of his red suit shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And Santa Claus said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people who can afford them. For unto you is given this day in the city of Nassau great feasts of turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, candy, and many presents. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the presents wrapped in bright expensive paper, lying beneath the tree, adorned with tinsel and colored lights. And suddenly there was with the family a multitude of relatives and friends, praising Santa and saying, Glory to Santa in his sleigh, and on earth many presents to all wealthy persons. And it came to pass, as the relatives and friends were gone away from them into their home, the family said one to another, Let us now go even unto bed, and forget this thing which has come to pass, which Santa Claus has made known unto us. And they went away, and found their roll aids lying in the medicine cabinet. And when they had taken their roll aids, they made known abroad the saying which had been told them concerning the presence. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the family. But the mother kept all the wrappings paper and served it for next year. And the family returned, glorifying and praising Santa, but ready to take another dose of roll aids for all the things they had eaten and the presents they had seen, as it told unto them. This analogy of the Christmas story is more true to life than many of us would like to admit, isn't it? This is Christmas sushi style. It misses the entire purpose and true spirit of Christmas. But sad to say, many families go through the same experience year after year, celebrating the birthday of someone they don't know personally or if they do, have forgotten who he really is. Isn't it amazing as to how rationality and common sense seem to become so scarce around Christmas time? And the sad thing is that we as Christians have allowed the devil to brainwash us without hardly a whisper of it or a protest. It's like the proverbial sheep. We have allowed ourselves to be led to the commercialized slaughter of Christmas without a bah, without a bleep, without a bleat. In fact, amazingly, we've actually snuggled up to our devilish shepherd, who, as we shall see, is even dressed in red, as he has led many of us to the slaughter of the true meaning of Christmas. That's Christmas sushi style, my friends. 
to be truthful. It didn't start out this way. Centuries ago, Christian converts were under intense pressure to maintain their pagan religious ties because of cultural and social traditions. The church at that time understood this pressure and attempted to replace and supersede pagan traditions with ones that gave glory to the true Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They chose the same day, however, as one of the pagan festivals as a way to show that Jesus Christ is the only true God and that his birthday is more important than anything having to do with an idol. However, rather than becoming sanctified as the church of the 4th century had hoped, Christmas has become, for the most part, sacrilegious instead. It has become commercialized rather than Christianized. It has become a time for fleshly indulgence rather than for spiritual reflection. It's more of an opportunity for wantonness rather than for worship. Friends, that's Christmas sushi style. For many, church attendance activities are placed not as the center of the Christmas celebration, but at the edges, at the periphery. Some, in order to celebrate Christmas, even go so far as to reduce, postpone, or simply cut off their tithes and offerings until, as they say, catch up sometime in the new year and all in the name of celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world and the head of the church. Now, I know some of you who know a little about church history would say that I have things reversed. You would insist that it was the church that took Christmas away from the pagans because January the 24th was a pagan feast day marked with revelry and immorality. And you would be right as far as the date is concerned, but not as far as the event itself is concerned. Friends, Christmas means Christ is sent or Christ comes. The early church had good intentions. They wanted to teach this truth to the pagans of the day. However, in an attempt to win the pagans, they simply substituted Christ for the goddess of fertility and called the celebration a Christian one. This was their folly, and it has plagued the church ever since. Friends, I say again, that's Christmas, sushi style. The trees, the holly, the decorations, and what have you, most having pagan implications, were added as the years went by. As the emphasis came to be more focused on children rather than the child, became more focused on St. Nick and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Rain there, were also added, taking the place of Jesus Christ. Now today, Christmas is the biggest commercial event of the year. Businesses literally stay afloat or sink as a result of how much money is made during this time. And actual studies have concluded that the only reason why most people believe that Christmas is essential, particularly in the U.S., is because of its commercial impact, and it is so vital to the overall economy. Without Christmas, the economy would collapse, but it would not affect the church or Christians whatsoever. How sad. The reason for the season is, for most people, lost sight of, even though they celebrate the season with gusto. I say again, friends, that's the Christmas story, sushi style. It's like the candy maker's candy cane story. The candy maker made this red and white striped candy that many of us use on Christmas Day as a means of witnessing for Jesus Christ. But let me ask you, how many of you who hang these candy canes on your Christmas tree 
and give them to your children ever uses as a means of witnessing for Jesus Christ, which was the purpose for it being invented in the first place. In fact, how many of us even knew that this was the reason for the origin of the candy cane? Yet, it is now associated with Christmas as much as tinsel and mistletoe. We use it, but actually we abuse it. The same is true with Christmas itself. We use it, but we also abuse it because we do not use it for its true purpose. We abuse it. It is not wrong, mind you, to celebrate Christmas if Christ is the center of that celebration and if it is He who determines how we celebrate Him. However, it is wrong if He is not at the center and He does not agree with the way that we celebrate. To celebrate Christmas without worship, being a part of that celebration, is to abuse the reason for the season. To celebrate Christmas without worship, I say being a part of that celebration, in fact, the core of it, is to abuse the reason for the season. In light of this, I invite you to attend a service at Calvary Bible Church, Collins Avenue, on Christmas Day. We call it a birthday party for Jesus. It's an informal, casual event, but it focuses on Jesus Christ and is especially designed to encourage parents to tell the biblical story of the birth of our Savior to their children. So this story would be passed on from one generation to another, and it would be told for what it really is. Let me give you some practical illustrations of what I mean when I say that to celebrate Christmas without worship being a part of that celebration is to abuse the reason for the season. Now let me say right here, some of you are going to think that I am the modern-day Scrooge with a Christian orientation. We remember his famous remark, Christmas, humbug, or Christmas, phooey. Well, to many that may just be true. But I really cannot in good conscience as a pastor teach of the word, simply preach a message today that would help you to get in the Christmas spirit, knowing that for many of you that means doing something that has nothing to do with the coming of Christ at all. That's why I'm serving you Christmas sushi style, raw, as it was when it first happened. Let me illustrate what I mean again. Christmas falls on a Wednesday, which is, if we are going to follow tradition, is the day his birth should be celebrated. We know it's not actually the date of his birth, but it is symbolic of that event. Now, if it's one thing the birth of Christ should invoke from us, it's worship. Read the Christmas story in the Word of God. You will see that. Worship was the major response to this event. The angels worship. The shepherds worship. The wise men worship. Therefore, it just makes sense that if we are supposed to worship our Lord on His day, the true Lord's day, then most certainly we should gather to worship Him on the day on which we celebrate His birth. If it's one day we should not be absent from our church services, it's on the day set aside by Christians to celebrate his birthday. Doesn't that make sense? In fact, I've always thought that we should have church on Christmas Day regardless of the day it falls on. It just seems natural and logical to do so. But you know as well as I do, Christmas Day is and will be a day set aside for recuperation from the partying on Christmas Eve or the junk canoeing or just simply sleeping in. Very few will be worshipping as a church on that day. Isn't that amazing? We have invented the candy cane all over again, but we have forgotten why it was invented in the first place, to witness, to tell the story 
of Jesus Christ and why he came into the world to save sinners. In fact, often when Christmas falls on a Lord's Day, a Sunday, some churches actually cancel their worship services to accommodate Christmas activities. Isn't that amazing? They see other activities other than worship as more important on a Christmas Day than worship itself. For instance, activities such as families and friends getting together around a Christmas tree. Now, as you know, I am for families getting together. But in this case, let me ask you, are we using Christmas for the purpose of its existence or are we really abusing it for other means, as worthwhile as they may be at other times? Uh, In other words, are we using it to celebrate us instead of commemorating and celebrating Him, Jesus Christ? I'm just asking, mind you. I'm not really Pastor Scrooge Lee at all. I'm just trying to be faithful in doing my job as a teacher of the Word of God. I'm like the Fox News. I simply report what the Bible says. You must decide what to do with it. So I leave you to draw your own conclusions and make your own decisions. All I ask is that in doing so, you seek Christ to be true rather than to self be true. Christmas, I say, is not a time for self or even families. It's a time for Jesus Christ. We'll continue with our sushi Christmas story next time, Lord willing. Until then, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Therefore evermore to stay, hold the fort a little longer, in your struggle over sin. The great command is promised He will surely come again I am listening every moment For the mighty trumpet sound What a time we'll have together When the saints shall leave the ground And our toiling will be over Bear.
happen in a moment. Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every morning for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. in a moment Jesus Christ could come again